Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Chad Benson, host of the Chad Benson Show on the Radio America Network, is in for the vacationing Jim Garrity today. Chad, always great to have you with us. Thanks for your time. It is great to be here, young sir. Uh, Chad is always uh, fired up, and I love that energy. What you don't know is that Chad has just done at least three hours of radio just before he uh, fills in on the days he fills in for Jim. So he is uh, warmed up, ready to go, and we're going to talk about bad, bad, and crazy martinis and also a uh, champagne toast uh, at the end. Uh, So let's talk about our first bad martini now. Uh, Chad, and this is something that we saw, I think it was just last week, when uh, Joe Biden was at his press conference, and I think it was Caitlin Collins from CNN saying, hey, Barack Obama said that the filibuster was a Jim Crow relic. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 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 I agree with that. And then he kind of muddled his response about uh, politics being the art of the possible, so he doesn't necessarily want to get rid of it right away. Uh, But then uh, this week, he's also been very critical of the Georgia voter law, uh, talking about, in his estimation, that you can't give anybody water who's waiting in line. That's not exactly how that legislation reads, but it's a fun talking point for him, so he's not given up on it. Uh, And now the... uh The long knives are out for major corporations based in Georgia uh, to condemn this or face boycotts, Delta being one of the latest to uh, condemn it, even though just a few days earlier they said uh, that they thought the final version was an improvement based on what they had seen earlier. Uh, Coke is under fire. They're they're condemning this. I assume Home Depot is going to come under fire if they haven't already. And then uh, some Major League Baseball players want to get the All-Star Game, which is scheduled this summer to be in Atlanta, moved somewhere else as a result of that. And Joe Biden, uh, being interviewed by ESPN Sage Steele last night, says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Listen to what he says here. So, Mr. President, what do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their All-Star Game out of Atlanta because of this political issue? I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. Chad, we've seen corporate wokeism just explode uh, lately, particularly on hot button cultural issues. Uh, This is uh, no different. And so these uh, corporations are under fire to get woke or or lose business potentially. Uh, And now sports is getting involved yet again on this. So what do you make of uh, Biden agreeing with the the far lefties that everything they don't like is racist and that uh, corporate America is now hip deep in all this? You know, corporate America, about two, three years ago, uh, Greg, we we spoke with, I, I speak to a lot of, you know, I've got my own business and we speak to a lot of Fortune 500 people, people in even high up in the entertainment industry. And they, they, they started telling me years ago, a downturn in the market, a slow quarter or two, even a recession doesn't scare them. But social pressure is terrifying. And and this is another situation now. Coca-Cola, you got Delta coming out and saying the same thing. It's funny. I can go right now and book a flight to China from Delta. I think Coca-Cola is <laughs> selling stuff in China. Is it only wokeism here? Do we care about human beings as a as, as an entire species, uh, everybody or is it just here? And the 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 BS premise of, you know, it's it's always about the voter ID disproportionately hurts people of color. I have you know, friends who are human beings, who are people of color, just like I'm a human being and I'm apparently a lacking color. Uh, and I've not, yeah, I've not met any of anybody 
as an adult who doesn't have an ID unless they can't have an ID because, well, they're hiding. Why, why do they feel that difference? You mentioned that this is the one thing that really gets them nervous. Why? I, I don't know. Look, it is look, the way I've always looked at like this, too. And this and, and you know, I looked into the bill. I've, I've researched a lot of it. You know, a lot of it's baloney. Uh, and if I was the Republicans, I'd be like, look, let's expand voting polls and places. But let's make ID something that's that's very, you know, then that's a lot of what this is. And for whatever reason, it scares them. And I don't know why that scares them. Do they think that people aren't going to show up if they have to show ID and that for the Republicans will win? I mean, it, it's a very bizarre thing. And then when you look at the, the CEOs of why they're terrified, because they're being forced to make not business decisions based on profits and losses, but business decisions based on people's feelings. And you and I both know that feelings aren't facts. So they're being forced to leave money on the table in a lot of places to do what they are being forced to do. In many cases, they don't even believe in. Some of them are apolitical. Some of them are conservative or Republican or even liberals. But they just don't believe in that cause. But they're being forced to do it. It doesn't matter if it's race or transgender. It scares them more than anything else. And because they're there to run a business, they're there to turn a profit. They're not there to be the socially uh, woke voice of a generation. The way you stop it is by saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, We're going to give a hard pass on this. We're not going to cancel that person. We're not going to fire that person. We're not going to stop doing business there. Hollywood, oddly enough, has been extremely quiet over the last Oh, week or so when it comes to this. And there's a great article today in the LA Times saying, look, Hollywood has their own issues with race. Hollywood has had their own issues with the way that they have bowed down to authoritarian countries like China. Congratulations, Mulan was a success. Oh, by the way, let's all thank the tourism board where the Uyghurs are being held for their slave labor to give us a great set. You know, it's, it's, so, but, it's terrifying. If you're a CEO, imagine this. You've got somebody who is going out there and essentially pimping your product. They're doing a great job and they're bringing you money. That person gets damned for whatever reason because somebody feels like it. And all of a sudden now you have to say, I have to let this person go. Yet he's bringing money in. I don't agree that he did anything wrong. The only way to stop this is to say no. But nobody seems to have the guts to say no including Biden, because remember, fairly early on in the uh, primary season, shortly after Kamala Harris went after him over his position on busing back in the 1970s, she then tried to trot out arguments that he palled around with segregationist senators. And his argument at the time was, look, I didn't agree with them, but when you're in the U.S. Senate, you're there to get stuff done. So I tried to find as much common ground as I could. Now he's out there just as woke as everybody else. He's that's racist. Yeah, boycott that. I mean, this guy has changed a lot over the span of a, of a couple of years. So is it just a matter of he won now and he's got to keep his far left base happy or is he just not up for the fight anymore? I think he's trying to choose his battles. And he said something yesterday about the authoritarianism that I, I talked about on my show today. You can just check that out. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I thought it was a brilliant thing. But, you know, it was probably passed over and he was taking on China, talking about this where we have to be. But he said, you know, authoritarianism, uh, everybody laughs at it. They think, you know, democracy doesn't work because we can't get anything done. But people look at authoritarianism and they're getting some stuff done. And and but the way he made it sound, it was almost like he was hinting towards I'm um, about ready to kill the filibuster so we can get some stuff done, which is kind of scary. But he he's got to pick his battles, man. He's got to pick his battles when he's when he's dealing with a lot of uh, of because he's he's just as much in the in the line of fire from the far left and progressives 
than as he's from the Republicans. So you've got to walk a fine line if you're him where you balance like, yeah, you know what? We need to do infrastructure, but I don't know if we need to do $20 trillion worth of infrastructure. (laughs) Uh, It's 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 a tough thing for him. It really is. And as we all know, you're being attacked by people who don't even know what you're talking about 99 percent of the time because it's just the Internet mob coming for you. So that makes everybody else go. Ah. So if I'm him, yeah, you're walking between a you know rock and a hard. And uh, he is he's going to say some stuff. But I've, I've started to notice he says some stuff and then he doesn't really do it. And that includes some of the wokeness out there. Oh, yeah, we should totally look at that. because, And then he moves on. This is a big do about nothing, but you look over at NBC today and they're talking about restriction bills and voting. They say at least 55 restrictive bills in 24 states are advancing through state legislatures. And it says most of the bills target mail voting, which was expanded last year because of the pandemic. A quarter of the restrictions seek tighter ID requirements and others aim to make voter registration harder, but they don't explain how. Or to expand voter roll purges, which basically means if you're dead, you're not on the rolls anymore. I know that really seems unfair to the dead especially in Chicago and places like that where they have a very high turnout rate. But Chad, uh, these don't seem like uh, Jim Crow type things. It's just a matter now of whether the the regular population believes the extreme rhetoric here or whether they're actually looking at the contents of these bills and seeing that the Democrats are just hyperventilating. You know, it's some of them I look at and I think, okay, you know what? Uh, some of those bills where they're shrinking polling places in certain areas that are underserved and places where the people of color. And I think to myself, you know what, you need to do better than that, Republicans. This is why you guys end up being tool bags half the time, because you allow the corporate side of the Republican business to become to overrun. But so much of it is exactly that. You know, it's like, oh, you can't give water to people. Make it sound like everybody's standing outside in 300 degree heat. Uh, no, you can't. You can't wear like a Trump shirt, be five you know, feet outside, start handing everybody whoppers. Right. Like you you couldn't do that anyways, but they make it seem like that's all this is about. And it's never about the truth. You know, this man, it's never about the truth. It's about what you could sell to the base that you're trying to reach, the audience you're trying to reach. What can I sell to you that will get you emotional to take action? And and it's never about the actual truth. It's never about any of those stuff. It's about emotions. We live in a world of emotions, not data and facts and emotions win the day more often than not so true so true everybody's just got to chill out maybe grab a my pillow to do it too but you know what my pillow makes more than just fantastic pillows they've given their same attention to a lot of other products including their towels and right now three martini lunch listeners can get two of the six-piece towel sets for one low price and free shipping yeah i got these towels uh worked with my pillow for years and I love them. Uh, they're not lotiony, super absorbent. I have all the different colors. They're, they're big, which is great. I like a big towel, uh, you know, and it's just these things are amazing. And if you don't have them, uh, you got to get them. And I love the fact made in the USA. It's not often we can say that 10 year warranty. You get that 68 money back guarantee and the seven colors are awesome. I have all seven and I got the hand towels, the wash towels and the giant towels. They are amazing. I've been using them too. And when they say highly absorbent, you're dry so fast. They, they really do feel good and they do a great job. So uh, definitely worth checking out. Go to MyPillow.com to learn more. And right now, again, three martini lunch listeners, all six-piece towel sets, buy two for one low price and get free shipping. Just use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or when you call 800-874-0104. That's MyPillow.com, code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104 for two six-piece towel sets for one low price and free shipping. 
All right, Chad, we're going to dig a little deeper on one of the martinis that uh, we did yesterday on the podcast, and that is looking at Joe Biden's infrastructure bill and all the garbage that's in there that really doesn't have a lot to do with infrastructure. And when you have a two to three trillion dollar bill, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's not necessary in there. So uh, but this is what's known as the PRO Act, Protecting the Right to Organize Act, which he says gives people a chance to join a union if they want to. But, Chad, you've seen this out in the West. California had a piece of legislation known as AB5, which essentially requires that if you do freelance work, the company or person you do freelance work for needs to provide benefits. It's supposedly designed to make sure that uh, freelance workers uh, don't get taken advantage of. But what it ends up doing, of course, is making freelance work not attractive to the people who would normally hire you. They don't want to have to pay all those benefits when they just want to work with you on a limited basis and so forth. So I know you've worked in the gig economy. A lot of people have. And so this is restricting their access to opportunity. But of course, this is a big pro labor union initiative. And so Biden's all for it. But uh, what's the real impact of what he calls the right to organize here? You know, what's interesting is so many people I know that work in the gig economy, having been in the entertainment industry for a long time, lots of voiceovers still do a lot of those things. That's the gig economy. And it's it's funny because those people, we, we never complained about it. That's the nature of the business. That's what we want. I'm not beholden to you to be somewhere at a specific time. Uh, you know, it's, it's a gig. I'm kind of coming and going as I please. That's the beauty of it. I don't want to be an employee. I'm choosing not to be employee and and you get to hire me because you only need me for a limited time. That was just it. Now, you know, like the, the things with the Uber drivers and, and all of this stuff, what it ends up doing is they have to start making decisions. Okay. If I've got to pay for all these things, well, you're no longer that. Now you have to be here at a certain time. Now you're just basically becoming an employee and we don't need as many as you, as we once had. And all of a sudden things start to change. And as we love to find out along the way, you find out that my pay's going down because I'm my pay showing up in other things like insurance and they're paying for for you know insurance to cover me on the job and and things of that nature that is frustrating and we hire a lot of people for my other business that's a tech business uh, to do certain things and we started having to look it's like all right do we have to do what extra steps do I have to take here in this state to get something done but California's big on unions as we all know, because uh, unions run California and then they have government. Joe Biden essentially became the Democratic nominee for not being Bernie Sanders and uh, a, a total sellout to, on issues like this. Uh, that's why he went from the mat in the presidential uh, nominating process to the presumptive nominee. But now that he's in there, he's giving it away to every special interest group uh, under the sun. Now, this guy's not standing up to anybody. No. And, and you need to. And, and, and I'm interested to see the way that this thing plays out, especially the thing like what's going on with Amazon. It's a perfect example of unions. And, you know, unions, they had their place a long time ago. And a lot of that was based on the fact that people needed to be protected because back in the day, uh, they didn't care if you fell into the to cement. They, they pour right over you. And there was no protections. There are protections now. They're legally, there are protections everywhere now. It's much different. This is more about the control and he is giving in, in in too much. But at the same time, he's also surrounded himself with a lot of muckety mucks that come from Wall Street. So I think a lot of it is lip service. It'll be interesting to see for all the stuff that he talks about. And a lot of times it's in passing. Can you really get any of this stuff through? Can you really do any of the things that you say you're going to do? Are you really going to reward 
You know, it's much when you're at a federal level and you know this, Greg, is it's much different than when you're at a state level. At a state level, you're beholden. I mean, we saw that with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He went against the unions and they crushed his soul. And so for the next <laughs> four years, he basically had to do anything they said. The federal level, it's a lot different. You got a lot of moving parts and you got a lot of states. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays itself out. I think he'll like he likes like politicians like to do. They'll acquiesce and send it on down the road to the states and let them decide on how some of this stuff goes. The libs, man, they're pro-choice on one issue and everything else. They want to restrict your choice, whether it's how you work, whether it's where you send your kids to school, uh, how many options you've got for health care plans on and on and on it goes. They Don't even get to- me started about the unions of California where the teachers in San Diego, where my son lives, they're teaching kids at the border, which I, I have zero problems with them volunteering and stuff like that person to person. I think it's great. I think these kids are going through horrific things, but they're not teaching my son inside of a classroom, but they're going down there and volunteering to do it. That drives me crazy. And why is that? Because the unions have power and the districts have power. Well, uh, it's enough to to drive you mad or at least to stress you out. And so uh, you need ways to to calm down and to stay focused. Exactly. And that's where Headspace could help you out. Uh, wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep and and stay focused and just stay calm? Well, there is. And if you've got 10 minutes, Headspace could possibly change your life. Yeah. And this is awesome. It's, it's your daily dose of mindfulness, right? You know, just kind of relaxing. Guided meditation is an easy to use app, simple and easy to use. So, you know, whatever the situation is, right? Headspace can just help you relax, feel better, overwhelm. They got three minutes. The SOS meditation for you. Maybe help falling asleep, which is something I always need. Great way to wind down, right? You just it just relax a little bit, get yourself in the right headspace. And it's got uh, you know, the stress relievers. You know, the headspace approach for mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, focus, all of those things. It gives you this amazing sense and increase of, of an overall well-being. And that is awesome. Yeah, our chief of operations at Radio America says a number of our hosts have used it, uh, especially during the, the pandemic year, and uh, found out that they slept better, stayed focused, uh, more more relaxed, and so uh, overall they give it a thumbs up. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. And so Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash martini. That's headspace.com slash martini for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash martini today. All right, Chad, let's talk about the latest COVID goalpost moving. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, This guy has uh, a number of positions on every single uh, aspect as it uh, relates to COVID, uh, mask, no masks, uh, two masks, one mask, whatever it is. And now the one thing we seem to know for months on end as this pandemic unfolded, Chad, was that it doesn't affect kids very much at all. The ones that do get it are either asymptomatic or so mildly symptomatic, they're not even sure that they've got it. Uh, Focus on the older folks, focus on the immunocompromised. The science has been saying for months, like you were just pointing out, get the kids back in school. There's not really a threat here. But now we're hearing that, well, to really get to herd immunity, which is science speak for if you really want your life back, you got to get the kids immunized as well. We've got tests going on. Pfizer just said uh, 12 to 15-year-olds uh, that it's working well. Moderna's uh, working on babies now. 
And so the question is, uh, I mean, we've got this, this this whole vaccine passport debate. Are you going to have access to places based on whether or not you got the vaccination or not? And so and now it's, uh, it's the pressure is going to be on to, to get your kids the jab, uh, even though that if they get it, they might not even realize they have it and there doesn't seem to be any long term damage. And so is this necessary for herd immunity or is this just the latest gigantic moving of the goalposts? Uh, well, this is another one. And, you know, it's funny when they say, you know, like only 10 percent of Americans or 40 percent, whatever the number they always throw out about each day have, have been vaccinated, have one shot, two shots. It's one in five Americans. But then you break the way I've always looked at this is, are, is our goal vaccinations is our goal herd immunity. That's one thing I need to know, because with her, every virologist, epidemiologist, people out there all say the same thing. You're not going to get to herd immunity with vaccinations alone through the, through the fact that many people, myself, my kids have te- had coronavirus, the you're going to get there several ways. And one of which is people have caught it and they've got the antibodies. So do we count those people? Well, it doesn't seem to be that we count those people because, you know, whatever, goalposts move. Now we've got the goalposts moving again. And it is it is frustrating. You know, the, you know, I always call you know, Dr. Fauci, Debbie Downer. All right, here's the deal. You go, you get the shot. Now, once you have the shot, you need to go in your room. You need to put on four masks and you need to crawl underneath your bed and hide. We'll (laughs) knock on the door in six to eight years. And if everything's okay, we'll let you take a mask off. Like it's always a downer with him. And the goalposts do seem to move way too much. I myself, my son's 10. He, he's, he had it. He had it for a day, Greg. Like he woke up at six, like, I don't feel good. Get a little bit of a fever. And then by seven o'clock that night, he was like, I'm going to go outside. I'm like, okay, that's kind of what he had. Uh, You know, my wife, she was really sick for a while. Uh, I was tired for a few days and, you know, I just thought I'm beat. I've worked 900 hours a day. That's all it was. So it does affect people differently. I I wouldn't give my kid this vaccine. And the reason is pretty simplistic. Uh, we dip kids in Perel now all day long, uh, give them antibiotics, you know, antibiotics for anything. At some point in time, let the body do its thing. And as long as you're vaccinated as an adult, you should be okay. Let's just let the kids be kids. Why am I surprised that they got injected into this now? No pun intended. But uh, the fact that uh, we can't move on without uh, making the kids the next battleground here. They've already suffered enough with everything they've dealt with in school and isolation from their friends and everything else. To, so to now make them the next battleground is just just maddening. Unbelievable. Uh, it God. is, uh, you know, it's it's crazy. And it's funny because, you know, the other thing is like kids should not play together without masks. By the way, if, you know, if, you're, if your grandma's at home and she's got compromised immune system, she's going through cancer treatments and your child is going to go play somewhere and you find out that that kid, you know, the kid they were going to go play for is really sick. You're not going to send your kid over there anyways. So let's, you know, there are just certain things you don't do. But outside of that, let kids be kids, let them live their lives. But now they've become part of the politics that is the continual reaching and moving of the goalpost. Uh, and it's, it's, I think we're all kind of over it. And, and I tell you, the thing that Fauci's doing too, that he, I don't think people realize is after a while, when you're always so negative, instead of people being mad and pushing back, they stop paying attention. Yeah. I saw one tweet the other day where somebody said, uh, Fauci, 
doesn't know when to get off the stage so much so that the cleaning crew has turned off the lights and left the building. So it's just, he's out there by himself now. Not sure if anybody else is still listening. But uh, as we said at the top, Chad, uh, champagne toast today on the podcast. And uh, for those who uh, are regular listeners, you know that means uh, somebody significant uh, to the conservative world or, or perhaps otherwise has passed away. We want to spend a moment reflecting. And uh, a couple of days ago, we learned of the passing of G. Gordon Liddy, uh, certainly a, a controversial figure, a colorful figure, and someone I was privileged to be a colleague of at the Radio American Network for seven years. He joined us in early 2005 and retired in the summer of 2012. For the last couple of years, uh, he had me on his show at least once, sometimes twice a week to uh, talk about the latest political headlines. A great gentleman, obviously uh, somebody who is a major figure in history, turned uh, the longest prison sentence from the Watergate era uh, into a very successful media career, was a radio talk show host, I think, for about 20 years. As you and I were saying before we uh, got on to the recording today, uh, a guy who had no remorse whatsoever over uh, leading the Watergate break-in. He thought it was absolutely necessary for not only the Nixon campaign, but also for the good of the country. Obviously, folks will agree or disagree with that, but uh, he was someone who was fascinating to talk to. Uh, and so uh, condolences to his family. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad I got to know him. And I know, uh, Chad, uh, being in the talk show world, that his legacy continues to loom large. It does. And, you know, uh, my producer, one of my producers, uh, Phil, who works there with you guys out in Radio America, I'm out here in, in Phoenix. Uh, I, I said, Phil, I want to work with him. He goes, you know, at first I worked with him, you know, for a year. And he says, you know, he wasn't the, the, the nicest guy, but he said, you know, I worked with him later on for two years and he was the sweetest, nicest man. He goes, but Chad, the one thing that was so refreshing is he was unapologetic about what he did in a world where everybody apologizes for everything. He didn't. He didn't give any blanks at all. This is who I am. This is what I did. And it's funny because, uh, you know, she's somebody like Roger Stone and he's got the Nixon tattoo. And I'm like, dude, this was the guy like this guy did time for Nixon. He didn't get a tattoo. He did time for Nixon. And he thought what he did was right. And he was willing to do it again. If you'd have asked him two weeks ago, that's the kind of guy he was right or wrong. That's what he believed. And he was strong in his conviction and he never shied away from it. And uh, like you said, when he was on Fear Factor, when he was in his 70s or whatever, Joe Rogan told him all those horrible things he did. He goes, yeah. And (laughs) are you guilty? Of course. And he did well. There was a, there was a segment on that uh, that Fear Factor thing where uh, two celebrities had to uh, sit together in these uh, cubes, and then really unpleasant things were going to happen. They put insects in there to crawl on them, or really annoying uh, sounds, high pitched sounds would come in. And he was uh, matched up with uh, Vanessa uh, from the Cosby Show, Tempest Bledsoe. And the rule was that if one celebrity wanted to tap out, the team had to leave. They were disqualified from advancing in this celebrity fear factor. And so Liddy looks at her with all seriousness and says, look, no matter what happens, I'm not tapping out. So unless you can say the same, don't get in there at all in the first place so I can go in there by myself and and, and keep doing this thing. And so she didn't. And so uh, they're putting cockroaches or whatever they were on people and celebrities are freaking out. He's just calmly flicking them off his skin and everything. And it's just, uh, it was just fascinating to talk to him, fascinating to watch how he would uh, deal with things that, that came up professionally and personally. And uh, whatever you think of him, truly one of a kind. I consider him a friend and, and I, I will miss him certainly. 
Chad, uh, great to have you with us today. And I'm glad to say you'll be back with us tomorrow. So uh, rest up till then and I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, man. Have a great day. You too. Chad Benson, host of the Chad Benson Show. Check it out on the Radio America Network. And uh, there's also a podcast form of the show. So check that out as well. I'm Greg Columbus, also of Radio America. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. So, so grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please join us again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.